I was, um, I was asked last Wednesday if I would come here in the auditorium and speak to our school staff uh, for their devotion, their morning devotion. And um, so I had the privilege to come and speak to them. And the theme, uh, their theme this year is be the light. Be the light. And I love that theme because I, I think that's, that's kind of it, isn't it? It's kind of, you know, our, whole the- our theme this year is a king and a cause. And what is the cause? It's to shine, it's to shine for the king. And, to, and you know, what, what's his heart? To, to serve his cause. A devotion and a duty, you know. When I think about the thought, be the light, different scriptures come to my mind. One of my favorite scriptures on this is in Psalm 27 in verse 1, where it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So I love that as an anchor for my heart when I think about being the light. The Lord is my light and he is my salvation. And in that light, I'm not going to live my life afraid. And that psalm goes on to talk about, you know, a thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it's not coming near me. It's a very bold uh, uh, psalm. And then I also think of the words of Jesus, and I believe it was in John chapter 8, when one of the great seven sayings of Jesus, the I am's of Jesus, I am, I am, I am the good shepherd, I am, I am. And one of those is, I am the light of the world. And I don't think anyone here tonight would, you know, disagree that the world is in desperate need of light right now. The world is confused. The world is crazy. The, the, the world is um, in darkness. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I believe that with all of my heart. But then it's like he amps it up and takes it to another level over in Matthew 5 when he says, you are the light of the world. Whoa, 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 whoa. I like, I like the John 8 version better than the Matthew 5 version. I get it that Jesus is the light of the world. As a matter of fact, I was reading this week in my devotions uh, that Jesus goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration and he's there with Peter and James and John and, and the translation I was reading said that his face was as bright as the sun. Imagine that. You can imagine Jesus like that, right? His face was as bright as the sun and his clothes were shining. And, and so, amen. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And I'm saying, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. And then he says, you are the light of the world. Man, I'm not quite sure what to do with that. I am the light of the world. And then he has these three verses in a row there in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the light of the world. And he says, and you don't light a candle and put it under a basket. A city on a hill cannot be hid. And then he gives us the explanation of what it means that you are the light of the world. What does that actually mean that you are the light of the world? It doesn't mean that you're the light like he's the light. He's the light in himself. I'm, I'm, I'm not the light like he's the light. 
I'm kind of the light like the moon is the light. You know, the moon is the light in, in, in darkness. At nighttime, the moon is the light. But it doesn't generate its own light. It reflects the light of the sun. I don't generate my own light, man. We don't, we, we don't have that. But we reflect the light. We reflect the light. And that's what the moon does up there in the sky at night. We can't see the sun, but it's up there high enough that the sun sees it and it reflects off the moon. And then the moon reflects it back down. And we go, oh, there's a light in the sky tonight. But it's not its own light. It's a reflector of light in darkness. And so like that, I see myself. We see ourselves as light. We're the light of the world. But here's how Jesus then explains it. He says, you, he says, you're the light of the world. You don't light a candle and put it under a bushel. A city that's lit up on a hill, you know, it, it, it's, it's to be seen. And then he says, he says, let your light shine before men. So you're not light unto yourself. You're light for others, right? Let your light shine before men. It's not light just for you. Let your light shine before men. And then he says this, that they may see. And what is it that they see? Your good works. Your good works. And then they glorify your Father in heaven. What is it? Jesus says, he says, you're the light of the world. He says, do good works before men. That's what they see in this light. And they don't glorify you. They glorify your Father in heaven. And so to be the light of the world, let me tell you what you have to quit doing. Stop doing you. Don't do you. We get this all the time. Well, brother, you just do you. You do you. I, you, know, you do you. Yeah, that's the culture of the world. That's what the culture. But if you're going to be in the culture of the kingdom, you can't, don't do you. Do Jesus. Do Jesus. And that's what it means to let your light shine before men when you act like Jesus. When you look like Jesus, when you love like Jesus, when you care like Jesus, when you're kind like Jesus, when you, when you, you know, do good and you help and you're selfless like Jesus and you're sacrificial like Jesus and you lift people like Jesus. Don't do you. Do Jesus. And then I, I kind of had to ask myself this question What's the real motivation for living a good Christian life? I've been a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was 10 years old. I became a real Christian when I heard, the, when I heard that Jesus would come into my heart as a 10-year-old boy. I'd never, we were unchurched. My parents weren't Christians. Neighbors, friends took us to Sunday school, and I heard her say that you could ask Jesus to come into your heart. The moment I heard that that was a possibility, I asked Jesus to come into my heart 60 years ago. And Jesus has lived in my heart from that day to this day as my Lord and as my Savior. And so I've seen a lot of life, and I've seen a lot of Christian life. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly all in me. I'm not talking about in you. I'm talking about in me. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Makes me want to do 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 People would have no idea what movie I'm referring to. This is a different audience than, than uh, that. What's the real motivation for really living 
a good, solid Christian life? And you know, as I ask myself that question, I have to be honest. For most of my Christian life, my motivation has been guilt. Because I know I've just never measured up. And so out of a sense of guilt, out of a sense of debt, out of a sense of lack, I'll, I'll pray harder and, I, and I'll go to church more than anyone. And I read my Bible and, I, and I'll seek God and I'll seek God. And, and, and all of those things that I'm doing are good things. But, but so much of the motivation for me doing it is I feel guilty because of the thoughts I've thought or the things I've done or, the, or what I've said or something that I've seen. And, and, I, and, I, and, and, and so I'm, I'm, it's like I'm constantly motivated by this sense of shame or this sense of guilt to do better for Jesus, to be better for Jesus, to, you know, help me, God. And, 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 and so, you know, I'll, I'll, if I pray an hour, was that long enough? Probably not. Or right, well, I'll pray two hours. And I, now I've prayed two hours. Is that, is, is, is that, is that long enough? Uh, probably not. Probably not you, mate. Not, not you. If you're trying to... And it's a, it's, a, it's a way to live the Christian life. But man, I don't believe it's the way that God meant for me. I don't believe it's pleasing to God that I have lived so many years of my Christian life with a, 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 a base, low motivation that no one would ever really know the truth about, and that is I serve the Lord out of a sense of guilt and fear and and I lack and I don't measure up. And so I'm going to try all the harder. I'm going to just try all the harder. I can remember years ago, I just wanted to be right. I just wanted to be right deep down in my soul. I just wanted to be pure. I just wanted to be holy. I just wanted to be the real deal before God. And, of course, I knew that I wasn't. And um, it's, it's like the more I would love Jesus, the more I would hate myself. Because the more I would see him in his beauty, in his, in his glory, the more I would hate what I saw in me that was so far from him. And so, such a, and yet he loves me. I know he loves me. And I, but anyway, it's kind of messed up living a Christian life. When the real motivation for your Christian life is a sense of kind of guilt and shame. And I remember asking the Lord, I, I prayed a desperate prayer for six months. I prayed two hours a day for six months every day that God would just make me a righteous man. Please just make me a righteous man. I just want to be a, a clean man. I just want to be a good man. I just want to be a pure man. And I'm struggling, Lord. I'm struggling. And so I asked him. I asked him for six months, two hours a day, in prayer, with all sincerity, that he would make me a righteous man. And at the end of that six months, there was hardly any shift at all in the bottom line of my life and the basic, still basic motivation of my life. And then one night, I was in a, I was alone in a restaurant in a, it was a pizza hut, actually, in Arizona. And I had my Bible. 
I was uh, ministering. I was doing some ministry for this little country town, and I had just gone up there that weekend. So I had my Bible, and I was eating pizza. And I come across this verse of Scripture that says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And it was like, I mean, I've been reading my Bible since I was 10 years old. But it was like, where did that come from? What did that say? Can I read that again, please? And I read it over until sitting there in pizza, had tears started coming down my face. Tears started coming down my cheeks. For he made Jesus to be sin for me who knew no sin. That I might be made the righteousness of God in him, that I might be made the righteousness of Christ, that I might be made something that I could never make myself in two-hour prayers for six months or 60 years. I could never make myself what only he could make me, and all of a sudden, I begin to shift the journey of my Christian life from guilt to grace. And guilt was no longer there as my impetus, as my motor Grace became grace that God loved me, that God forgave me, that God, that there was no more guilt. And all of a sudden I'm serving Jesus and there's no sense of guilt and there's no sense of shame. Not because I got any better, just because I finally started believing my Bible. I just finally started seeing something like that in the scripture and say, oh my God, I can't believe it, but I do believe it. I can't believe it, but I believe it. And I, and I don't know how to, but I lay hold of it and, and I struggled with it until grace came into my life. Amazing grace. And all of a sudden, I have a different motivation for being the light. I have a different motivation for shining Jesus, for doing good works before men. And it's not some sense of guilt It's out of grace. So what begins to motivate your life when you're no longer feeling guilty as a Christian? When all your sins are forgiven, all the shame is washed away. Now what? Now what's the motor? Now what motivates you? And it's gratitude. Now it's just this overwhelming sense, not of guilt, but of gratitude. Gratitude. My chains are gone. My sins are gone. Grace is, he has, the Bible teaches, man, the Bible says some of the craziest things about us now in grace, you know, like in the book of Hebrews, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's you. That's me. That's grace. So what do I do with that? I live with gratitude. And now the motivation to do Jesus is different. It's different. I have a different motivation to do Jesus. And not do me, but to do Jesus. And it's because I cannot thank God enough for all he has done for me. Gratitude. And so, man, all of a sudden I find myself in a walk with God. And that motor that has been... Working all my life to, mo- to motor me and motor maybe is totally dead. That motor is gone. And so a couple things can happen in this space of grace. One is I could become a real idiot 
in the gray space and just feel like, well, then I just have a license to do anything I want to do, don't I? That's called idiot. Idiot space. <laughs> and I'm sad to say that some people who understand grace have moved their life. They don't live holy. They don't live pure. They don't live clean. They're not faithful to, to God because they just have grace as some sort of a warped sense in their mind of license to do sin. I don't know if you understand that when grace comes, the last thing you want to do in this world is more sin. It's not a license to sin. It's the absolute victory over sin. It's the absolute only way I could ever live a life free from sin is to live in grace and the grace of God. And my attitude toward God and his grace is gratitude. It's like those 10 lepers. They come to Jesus. All 10 of them have leprosy. And Jesus tells them, go and present yourself to the priest. All 10 of them turn and start to, to go show themselves to the priest. And the Bible says they're healed as they went. As, as they went, all, their, all of the leprosy was gone. All of the holes and sores and fingers that were missing and all of the leprosy, they were healed. And man, they start running to the priest except for one who runs back to Jesus. And he falls at Jesus' feet. And if you read this story in the message version of the Bible, this guy is screaming out his gratitude. He's gratefully sobbing. He can't even hardly get the words out of his mouth, the thank yous, the thank you, the thank yous for what Jesus just has done in his life and how Jesus has just restored him and healed him. And he's no longer a leper. He can't thank him enough. Read it in the message. It's really strong. It's really beautiful. It's really powerful. And now that leper gets up, free from leprosy. That's not his, he's not a leper anymore. He's not a victim anymore. He's not a, he's not, and by the way, he was a Samaritan. And all that's gone. How many know there was a new motivation in his life that day? And that new motivation was a deep, passionate, intimate love to follow Jesus and to do Jesus and to do the will of Jesus out of a great sense of gratitude. And so if we're going to let our light shine, if we're, not, if we're going to quit do, doing, don't, don't do you. Don't, if you're going to stop doing you and you start doing Jesus so that people can see your good works and glorify your Jesus, your Father, who, who, who is in heaven, then you have to understand what's the motivation for living the Christian life. And if you have lived your Christian life like I've lived a lot of my Christian life, and that is your motivation is a sense of shame and guilt, and you're just doing the best you can to make it all work for God, can I encourage you to stop it and fall on your face and receive the grace of God and believe everything the Bible says that the blood is done for you and the cross is done for you and that, that this, isn't your, this, this isn't your wheelhouse anymore. This isn't your engine. This isn't what stirs you. This isn't what drives you. You are no longer motivated by this. You're motivated by something completely different, and that is gratitude. And so you now love because of your gratitude for him loving you. And you now forgive and your motivation for forgiveness 
is the unbelievable, insane grace and forgiveness he's given to you. And so out of gratitude, you forgive her and you forgive him and you don't hold that against them. And it's out of you the gratitude of your heart for what he has done for you. You help people and you help people because he's helped you. And you're not selfish anymore, and you're not self-seeking, and, and you're serving people, and you're you're and what and what is your motivation for serving them? You're like that leper falling back down at the feet of Jesus because you know he has served you. He has gotten up and wrapped the towel and he's washed your feet. And out of gratitude to Jesus, you do Jesus. Out of gratitude to Jesus, you let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. In heaven. Amen. Let's stand together. Just the keyboard, please. Be the light. Be the light. Reflect the sun. Reflect the son of God in the darkness. Reflect him. Let people see Jesus. Let people see his goodness and his kindness. And they see his kindness through you. And you're kind to them because you are grateful for his kindness to you. You bless people. You give. And you give and you bless people. That they could see the good works that you're shining. You're not doing you. You're doing Jesus. You're not asking, what's the best I could do in this situation? You're just simply saying, what would Jesus do? Because I'm going to do Jesus. And I'm going to do Jesus deeply motivated to do Jesus out of gratitude to Jesus for what Jesus has done for me. Would you bow your heads with me this evening? Be the light. Be the light. Be to others what Jesus is to you. Reflect him. Don't do you. Stop doing you. Do Jesus. And what's your motivation for living your Christian life? What's your motivation for coming to church? What's your motivation for living clean or, or, or stopping this or doing that? What's your motivation for saying, no, that person's not good for me in my life, so I'm not doing it? What's your motivation for trying to be the best Christian you can possibly be? Is it guilt? Because you, you just don't measure up and you live with a lot of guilt and shame in your life? I want to challenge you tonight to truly come to the feet of Jesus at the cross and get completely clean and completely forgiven, you will never be able to make yourself acceptable to God. Only God can make you acceptable to himself. And God has done that in Jesus Christ. He has made you right in his sight. And you have to take that by faith like that leper. You have to see that and believe that and lay hold of that. And all of a sudden, there is no more sin in your life. There is no more shame in your life. There is no more fear in your life. There is no more guilt in your life. Guilt doesn't drive you. Guilt doesn't press you. Guilt doesn't motivate you. Guilt doesn't shame you. Because of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
Let God's grace cover you. Let God's grace believe in Jesus to do for you what you could never do for yourself. Make you right with God. Make you pure and clean and holy. And make you as righteous as God is himself. And from that place, live your life in absolute surrender and gratitude. And let your light shine before me.